Yo, no! After Yoannis Cespedes does not show up to the stadium in Atlanta on Sunday and the team couldn't get in contact with him, Brody released an AWOL statement and Yo has decided to opt out of the 2020 season. On this breaking news edition of the podcast, we analyzed the dysfunctional day in Metsland, Cespedes' tenure in New York, the five-game Mets losing streak after another loss to the Braves, and look ahead to what's next this week for the Metsies. All that and more next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm former Met Nelson Figueroa, alongside my co-host, Jake Brown. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate us five stars and write a nice review if you're on Apple, please. I did the entire intro for this emergency podcast as Jake is not a happy customer right now. We have to get into the Yoannis Cespedes saga, of course. The Mets losing five straight and the first three of four in Atlanta to the Braves. Brody's statement and more. But let me first hand it off to Jake to start the show so he can vent. Take it away, Jake. Dysfunction. Absolute dysfunction is the New York Mets franchise. It's been a word that sums this team up. Year in, year out, this franchise continues to be tormented by bad signings, bad trades, nonstop injuries, bad PR, odd decision-making, poor managing, and a failure to meet expectations. It's sickening. We came into this shortened season thinking that the Mets were a potential playoff contender, and in a 16-team playoff, a definite playoff team. And then what happened today across the board with Yoannis Cespedes, Brody Van Wagenen, and lastly, the Mets on the field was melatonin plus nightmare, a Jake special. Yoannis Cespedes decides to walk out on the team, but we didn't know. Brody Van Wagenen decides to, during the middle of a game, as the game started and the Mets are trying to end a losing streak with their rookie on the hill, David Peterson, he decides to release an AWOL statement, a missing persons report that Yoannis Cespedes cannot be found. His bat hasn't been fouled in two and a half years anyway. The human body of Yoannis Cespedes can't be found. Neither can the $110 million that he was supposed to live up to in the four-year contract. So as the game goes on, the Mets are going to leave an army of base runners on all day long to the tune of yet another loss, a 4 nothing loss, 13 guys left on base. But that almost didn't even matter because throughout the Mets game today, Figgy, we're thinking to ourselves, is Cespedes dead? Does Cespedes have COVID? Is Cespedes at Magic City making it rain on strippers? Where is Yoannis Cespedes? Is he riding a boar? Is he on the golf course? Is he doing something that involves not playing baseball? Is he smoking cigars in his room? Is he in his room with a bunch of friends? Is he safe? Before all the jokes you thought of, you're thinking, is the guy safe? Guess what? He was safe. He was so safe that he was already down 95, packing his way and headed up the freeway back to New York or back to wherever he's going to go. He had packed his bags without even letting the Mets know, at least according to reports, that he were doing so. And there have been conflicting reports about why, Figgy. One of them was from the New York Post, Joel Sherman and Mike Puma. And it's a report that I trust very much. Not only because we do a show at the New York Post, but it is very Cespedes-like. And Cespedes' track record is so bad that you have to trust this report. They said that he was unhappy because he wasn't going to get incentives because he was getting benched twice. How about you hit the baseball first? How about you stop complaining and play the game of baseball and stop worrying about your freaking 
fucking incentives. Then the other report was that it was someone in his family has pre-existing conditions and he was worried. Listen, if that's the case, fine. But I don't buy that crap. He could have opted out before the season started if that were the case. Let's hope he doesn't have COVID and everything's okay. But from the, the UN assessment, we know it's for selfish reasons. The assessment is walking out. The wild boar, the golfing, the injuries, four years, $110 million. His stats read in those four years, 127 games, 28 homers, 75 RBIs. And while he'll collect somewhere around the 66 million and not the 110 million, all 66 million of that was down the drain. And did we like the signing when it first happened? A little bit, sure, because he was the hero of the 2015 season and 2016, he was okay. After that, he was a bum. And how you walk out of a team like he did, and you could speak to this as a guy who was in the locker room, to walk out of a team, and guess what? The Mets didn't have guys answer questions. PR said, we're not going to have any guys talk except for the rookie David Peterson, of course. Oh, welcome to the big leagues, kid. You're going to talk in dysfunction day in Mets land. We'll let you talk and no one else except the manager. So if you're a teammate of his, this is a disgraceful move for him to walk out with no notice. If no one knew about this and it seemed that were the case, it's a disgrace. And on top of this, it continues. The Ponzi scheme, the Will Ponds, the dildo in the locker. Move on. Roberto Alomar, the Edwin Diaz trade, trading Kalenish to get Diaz, Steve Cohn becoming the owner and then not because the Mets decided, well, we want to wait five years to give him team control. The whole owner debacle. It starts from up top. And everybody that comes here, whether it's the guys I mentioned, the Jason Bays, the Cespedes, the Rick Porcello coming in, trading three prospects for Keon Broxton, who was on the team for less than a month. It just is a never-ending debacle with this franchise even including Friday. Friday was one of the boiling points, and you thought it was the boiling point. When they blew a six-run lead, you thought when Seth Lugo sucked, when you thought when Della Matanza sucked, you thought when the Mets lost 11-10, that was it. But no, then this happened. Terrible job by Brody to release a statement. Terrible job by Brody with the trades he's made. He has been nothing but unprofessional. If you should have found him before he released that statement, Cespedes is very much more to blame for walking out on the team. But Brody, you're an agent. Stick to that. I want him gone as GM when this season is over. I want a new owner in town. I want Steve Cohen here. And I'm sick of the sideshow act and the Ringley Barnum Bailey circus. That is the Mets. They've lost five straight. They're in last place. They're three and seven. They're 10 games into a 60 game season. And they're an absolute mess that just lost one of their better power hitters that you thought would be a great DH this season. But is an absolute prima donna. Go hit the golf course, Cespedes. We don't want you here. And hey, Will Pond, go follow him across there. Get the hell out of town. Get some new owners here. Get a new GM. And screw this debacle of a franchise right now. I'm pissed off, Figgy. I couldn't tell. I honestly could not tell. So. Throughout that whole rant, yes, you have very good points, very good pulse of what it's like to be a Met fan. When it comes to trying to honor the fact that you did decide to opt in and play in a COVID-shortened season with all the things that were you know, at risk, you had already decided to not opt out because you had a family member who may be compromised. I get that. I can understand that. And every person who's in the locker room understands that issue. However, end of which, if that was the case, maybe you never step foot on the field. You don't wait until you're struggling. You don't wait until the team is losing. 
you don't wait until you're not happy with your playing time or the fact that you're it's going to be difficult to reach your incentives. And remember, his deal to begin the year was over $26 million. Then it got shortened to $6 million with incentives up to $10 million. And in the shortened season, you're looking at a $2.2 million Cespedes. If he was five, six home runs, 12 RBIs deep already, hey, you know what? He could sit around and kind of call the shots. But it looks really, really bad all the way around on his part. It looks really bad to not just ownership, but the GM having to put out an APB who used to be his agent. So I feel like there was something there why he put it out during the game so that his new agent can get wind of, his new representation can understand what they're going through. But that is not the way things are normally handled across town in the Bronx. 98% of the things that happen in Yankee land are never known. They're handled in-house. And even if Cespedes didn't show his face on TV one time during the game. Maybe he was in the locker room getting treatment. Maybe he was just hanging out in the locker room enjoying a day off. But you don't put out an APB and say, we have no idea what's going on. That is where that kind of a move, it just speaks volumes for how they want to handle things. And you're right. PR debacle over the years. Uh, I mean, we've had many, many instances of things going wrong. I'm going to focus on the terrible baseball that's being played right now. When you say the Wilpons don't spend money, they've spent money. It just never comes back. That, that investment never comes back in, in bucket loads like they think. The Jason Bays, the Alomar, the Vaughns, even Santana. He got the no-hitter, but other than that, didn't even finish out his contract. The Carlos Beltran deal was probably the only one that I, I can think of in modern times that really they got best bang for their buck. It's very disappointing. It's very disheartening to see what is left now is a team that's on the field that can't do two out of the three three things right that you need to do to play winning baseball. They can hit and they've out hit several of their opponents during this week, but they got to score runs. The only team that's worse at leaving runners on base in the National League happens to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are seven and three and the Los Angeles Dodgers pitching staff not one pitcher, their entire pitching staff is pitching to the tune of a 1.84 ERA. So when you are leaving some guys on base, but you're scoring enough runs because your team is only giving up less than two runs a game, you're going to win ball games. Should we go on about the defense and the circus that's in the, right now all over the field? We're seeing whether it's rust, whether it's out of position, whether professional baseball players catch the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. It's a simple formula. Get as many outs as you can, as quick as you can. And we're not seeing that happen. I, I would like to say in a game-in, game-out basis, we're not even seeing that from inning from it, inning by inning. Then you can always question managerial moves. Rick Porcello gets bombed against the Braves just last week, comes out to pitch against him again, struggles early, but then kind of hits his stride. A pop-up to left field gets dropped. Should have been caught. There's an out. And then he's one pitch away from a ground ball double play getting out of the inning and giving you five strong innings right there and and building on his confidence from having a debacle of a, a debut, something that he's dreamt about his whole lifetime. I can speak to that in volumes. He gets out there and it's just not his day. Comes out against the Braves in Atlanta and he is making pitches. He's finding a way. Even though he got pushed up against the ropes early, he battles back. The team scores six runs. You're thinking this is great. For some reason, he gets pulled with 79 pitches a la Jason Vargas. And I don't remember Jason Vargas winning a Cy Young at any point, but if this is a guy that you're counting on to be your number three, you don't pull him after 79 pitches. In fact, you push him a little bit further to see how deep he can go into the game so that when you go to the bullpen, you still have that lead. They went to Seawald, three runs scored immediately. And then it was all of a sudden, you could just see it. It's like that thread that hangs off your sweater. You know it's there, 
you know you shouldn't pull it, but you pull it. And then the bullpen goes in one by one, and they can't pick up the slack. Batances implodes. Lugo's not able to get him out of the jam, and Travis Darno comes back to haunt him. Remember, he only had 22 at-bats when Brody let him go. And since those 22 at-bats, I believe he has better numbers than Wilson Ramos across the board. He's younger, a little more athletic, and he's swinging the bat with a hell of a lot more authority than Wilson Ramos is. It just seems constantly, and I agree with you, Jake, but I'm so not a pessimist. I'm so not a Debbie Downer. And people for years, when I was on SNY, would say, oh, he's towing the company line. This guy's a shill. It's not about being a shill. Okay, one month of the season is gone. I saw the Nationals last year after almost two months of the season, 19 and 31 they were, and they came back to win it all. Am I saying that the Mets can do that? No. Am I saying that they have to play better? Yes. And in a short season, when you're playing against your division so many times, you've got to find a way to bounce back. These opponents know you better than you know yourself. They know all the reports. They're going back and forth. And we've got to get into this debate. We've got to start talking about there is a salvageable season. The season isn't over. I get it. One-sixth is gone. Ten games. I don't have the heart to say they're done. Honestly, the Marlins are 2-1, and one, and they're starting to play tomorrow, hopefully. So if they go back to being the Marlins of old, they lose to some teams. Maybe they beat some teams. But I do still think that it's a, with expanded playoffs, you go on a run, you get healthy, Stroman comes back, three pieces of the bullpen come back, then all of a sudden you can start moving forward. But right now, Cespedes is at bats were non-competitive. Non-competitive. Struck out, what was it, seven out of the 13 at-bats or 14 at-bats he had when they went on the road? Non-competitive at-bats, and you're worried about incentives. Well, here's another incentive. I don't know a lot of teams that are looking for guys who are really worried about things like that. When you put up team numbers and you play deep into seasons, it's because guys are playing well and you're going to have your opportunities. The game never works really well as an I, I, I game. It's always been a team game, and I get it. Kobe Bryant said there's a M and an E in there, but the baseball, baseball game is not played that way. You can't – one man cannot take over a baseball game and win every single game by himself. Jacob DeGrom is close, <laughs> but you still got to score him some runs, even if it's only one to give him a fighting chance. I just think that they have to play better. They have to make better decisions. They have to be better prepared when they come out of that bullpen of who they're facing. You're facing the bottom of the lineup. Throw strikes. Don't walk people. Walks are, are, are the biggest no-nos in the game. Force these guys to put the ball in play. But then again, the defense behind them has not been solid either. So it's been a mess. I think this is a, a, a good, fresh start. Good, fresh start once Cespedes is gone. And listen, I'm not here to say the season's over, Figgy. It's 10 games, you're right. But just the dysfunction surrounding this team, and I don't even know if I mentioned in my rant about Jed Lowry, who's now transferred to the 45-day IL. Me and Jed Lowry have the same amount of hits in a Mets uniform. I just have less, $20 million less than him. I have zero. He has $20 million. $20 million. $20 million. <laughs> It is unbelievable. Just another Brody Van Wagen and client sign. And thank God Robinson Cano so far has been good because people would be putting 
you know, Brody Van Wagen's head out on, on the open market. I mean, he's been good so far, but my God, Jed Larry. And people overlooked that Keon Broxton trade. They traded three prospects and a couple of relievers to get Keon Broxton, and he was gone from the team weeks later. So that's one that gets overlooked because it's not a big deal. But still, you gave away young players. Marcus Stroman, you gave away young players. Sure, he had a simulated start. He might be back this year. But who even knows if we're going to finish this season? On top of all this that's going on, there's COVID with the Cardinals. There's COVID with the Marlins. There's a million games that baseball's got to make up. And it is just a disaster across the board. The mood that I was in Friday when they lost that game, I mean, not even alcohol could save that. I mean, you need some hardcore drugs to get over that Mets game. And then on top of this happens, and listen, bro, for Cespedes to walk out like that, imagine me, and I just quit podcasts, no sports podcasts, they got to go find someone new, and there are weeks without, you know, a producer to do these shows, and I don't tell the boss, I walk out. I'm not in a position to do that, because I don't have millions of dollars in my bank account. It's a big difference if he had just said Saturday night, guys, I'm going to opt out. Even if you BS and say it is family, pre-precautions, whatever, at least be respectful. Be a teammate. You don't want to be the guy that's left out to answer questions about a guy who quit on you that's what's left for these poor guys they have to answer the questions that they don't have answers to honestly that is the hardest thing for a professional athlete is when it's now your turn in front of the camera and the first three questions are about somebody else that's not my business that's not my business for to speculate that's not my business to try and help you figure it out you know your investigative reporter you investigate don't ask me. I got nothing to say about that. And and it's going to take, and I think that's why they closed it from any players coming out because they were going to ask a player. And what's a player going to say? Of course it sucks. Of course this is ridiculous. Of course they don't understand it either. You know, it, it, but they're not paid to do that. That's management. That's front office. That's ownership to talk about their disappointment. And it's not a, hey, we wish him the best in the future. He walked out, man. The guy, who's the guy in football? Remember the guy at halftime decided to just stay in the locker room, said he wasn't coming back out. He's done with football. It's just, it's a, it's the same kind of thing. You realize you're struggling. You struck out with a chance to tie up the ball game. Bases loaded. How many times has he come up with bases loaded? And you're like, yes, we've got him up with bases loaded late in the game. This is what you want. And he punches out again. And you're just sitting back going, okay, it's a little rust. Okay, it's a little that. Listen, he's a high-impact bat in the middle of the lineup. And when there are mistakes made, and I've seen a bunch of mistakes made to him, he needed to capitalize on those mistakes. Those mistakes equal batting practice pitches. They do not equal nasty slider down in the dirt trying to lift it for a grand slam when you need a base hit to tie the game and possibly win the game. His approach just seemed very narrow-minded, one-sided. I'm going for home runs and nothing but home runs. That to me just showed the approach of strikeout, a new baseball, right? Strikeout or a ground ball, it's all the same. No, it's not. It is not. Because with a strikeout, nothing happens. You put the ball in play, and even if it's into a shift, people still have to make the plays. We've seen it on the other side of the ball where the Mets don't make the plays when you have the shift on. It has to happen. More balls need to be put in play. Less runners left on base. A small army left on base every single game. 
I think it was the seven line army. It wasn't even a small one. It was a big ass army. I think we saw, I think we saw Darren out at third base. I mean, it is unbelievable how many times a guy is left at third with no out or first and third, no out. And they get no runs across or bases loaded one out. They can't get one more run across. It is infuriating to watch from a to Z this team right now. And this whole weekend was just a lifeless Mets team. And who would have thought they'd score 10 runs Friday and still find a way to lose. I mean it. And I tweeted this and, and I said after Friday, and, it, and the tweet blew up, there is no baseball fan base that goes through more pain than us Mets fans, not a single other team. And I had Pirates fans replying, you are a bottom five payroll team, and you are the Pirates. <laughs> You're in a small market. You pay no money for your players. I'm not talking about losing. I'm talking about what the Mets did this weekend, what the Mets did in 07 and 08 with the back-to-back collapses, with the dildo in the locker, with everything, with the signings. As you said, the Pirates fans, they, listen, I was there with Pittsburgh when it was 10 years straight of not making, not being five a 500 team, 10 years straight. And they gave out bobbleheads of Charlie Brown in a Pirates uniform, the lovable loser. That's what they are known for. They know their small market. They know it's not going to happen for them, but they go out there. They support their team. They support, the fans are, are, are actually really good to the players. I can tell you that firsthand. But there are no expectations in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. There's no expectations. Zero. None. Zilch. Not even from ownership. Not even from management. Ownership wants it to be a good time to go to the ballpark and, you know, support the black and yellow. Permanti bros in left field. <laughs> Besides that, it's been just nonstop that they lose and they expect to lose. When you're talking about the Mets and you're talking about expectations and hype, it's it always is about the hype. It's always been about the hype. And and one of the things about the hype that we haven't even touched on, Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is struggling mightily. You know what's not going to help Pete Alonso? Not having anybody behind him to protect him in a lineup because they don't fear anybody behind him. So you have to put him in a position now with someone behind him that's swinging a decent bat. So he has to have Conforto behind him. Cano has to move up in the lineup. We hated You hated having him anywhere in the top of the lineup before. He had to be at seven. But now you have to try and figure out ways that either they're going to pitch around him or all they've been doing is throwing him high fastballs and he keeps trying to catch up. And he reminds me of Kit in uh, League of Their Own. Lay off the high ones. I like the high ones. He swears he can get to it. And one of these days he is going to, but he is not up to speed compared to where he was last year. Have no fear. Billy Hamilton is here as the Mets trade for a late game speedy. And and some people were like worried, like, oh, is that maybe that's the reason they brought Hamilton in. I think that was more because Marisnik's been sidelined and he's a late game pinch runner. But have no fear. Billy Hamilton is uh Yoanis Sesma's replacement figure. Well, yeah, that, that's apples and rocks right there. But for Billy Hamilton, what was crazy was this team down the stretch last year was fighting still for a playoff spot, right? And they kept Aaron all who had five hits five hits on the season with two different three different teams five he had five hits all season they kept him rather than picking up billy hamilton off waivers because they were ahead of the braves who picked him up because of one reason and one reason only the man has game-changing speed so if anybody gets on in the seventh eighth ninth inning you put him the pinch run and you tell him steal second steal third that's what his job would be to do instead a year later the mets have now traded to get him. And I just couldn't understand 
where was this last year when you needed somebody that was going to help you off the bench towards the end of a game and you kept Aaron Altair over him? I am cringing at the name. I'm like, you're looking at me when I was scratching myself at the name Aaron Altair, although they used over Rajay Davis for a while, who's one of my favorites, and it made no sense to use him over a veteran and Rajay. And, of course, Rajay hops out of an Uber, hopped up out the Uber and hits a home run. I mean, that's... Soldier Boy's next hit single featuring Rajay Davis. But it's this team, bro. It's just, it's bad signings. It's it's guys come here and then they leave and they're incredible. And Travis Darno, I didn't even realize until afterwards, that was his first game against the Mets. And what does he do? He gets five RBIs and the game-winning hit to cap off a comeback that had a six-run deficit evaporate. I'll give you a better thing about that whole thing. Travis could always hit. We knew Travis could hit, right? Travis threw out a runner. As well, he hadn't thrown out a runner with two in the last two years with the Mets. It seemed he throws out a runner. He's re, you know recovered from Tommy John the whole nine yards, and he got cut short last year. And I don't know why. I don't know why because again he was he was a uh, he's he's not an older player, but he's a guy that has a potent bat. That if you're going to have a drop off and, and when Wilson Ramos needs a break, Travis Darno was still more than serviceable. Your drop off was to a double A catcher in Tomas Nito, who still hasn't hit at the major league level like he did back in A ball, but. He is a good catch and throw guy, and he calls a good game. People like throwing to him. He's a very good receiver. Rene Rivera, very good receiver. They're not potent with the bat. They're not a guy that you feel comfortable. If you take out Ramos, their spot comes up in the lineup, and now what do you do? You're thinking of, oh, I got to put a pinch hitter in, and then maybe another catcher. So to see that kind of merry-go-round where Mets players leave and then come back to haunt them, oh, what's next? The Dark Knight returns. He's going to come back with, you know, Miami. Because they're going to need players. He opts out of his uh, his Royals contract and he goes and joins the Marlins. It, this year has been crazy already. I can't wait to see how this pans out. At this point for our mental health, I mean, just end the season. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much longer I could take in this, man. It's just, it is 10 games in and you could write a 30 for 30 on this 10 game season so far for the Mets. I mean, everything that's happened for them. This franchise, and I tweeted this earlier, 30 for 30, is going to be the longest 30 for 30 ever made. I mean, it could go for years. They could do an episode every day for about 10 years, and there would still be more stories. Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid by the Mets. (laughs) Jen Lowry has the same amount of hits that I do. Yeah. And 20 million more. I'm going to keep saying that because Brody – was a great agent, and he clearly was, Figgy, because he got Cespedes four years and 110. And you can give me the hindsight's 2020 argument. You can give me the Mets had to do it at the time, but this is why teams shied away from giving Cespedes the big contract. They said, we don't know if he could do it in the long term, injuries, laziness, Going to the golf course, smoking cigarettes and cubanos in the in the uh, in the clubhouse, in the walk in the walkway, whatever it's called. You knew something like this was going to happen, but to walk out on your team, bro, is next level stupidity, selfishness, and it will not be tolerated. The feelings we had for Cespedes in 2015 taking us to the World Series. You could take those, throw it off my rooftop, throw it down, never get it back. It's over. Peace. We hate you, yo. Five years is a long time, and a lot happens in five years. And in five years, you got almost zero on your investment. That's the problem with a lot of the big contracts. And it's happened throughout the history of baseball. You see a guy like uh, Danny Tartable when he signed with the Yankees. He had 41 home runs that year. 
with the Kansas City Royals. He signs a four-year deal with the Yankees. He doesn't hit another 40 home runs combined. Uh, Kevin Brown was another guy. An everyday almost pitcher, it seemed, throwing 98 miles an hour. He signs with the Yankees, back problems. Pavano, back problems. There's a list that goes on and on. In its core, that team still has to play winning baseball. You can survive one, two, three guys not living up to their contracts, but you cannot, as a franchise, play such it almost seems uninspired baseball and i was having some hope because it seemed like the kids were getting on non-stop the nimos the uh gimenez gimenez is up all the time and i see him on base you see conforto hitting the ball well you see uh, you know you got mcneil who had three four hits and they had two hits again today so to see that young core doing well it's supposed to be a blend of those big bats ramos cano cespedes with the younger guys who have now had not just a taste of the big leagues, they're used to big league baseball now, and they should know how to prepare better than ever before. And their at-bats should be more competitive than they've ever been. And we're just not seeing it happen on a day-in and day-out basis. The frustrating part for any Met fan is when you don't see – like I like seeing Alonzo wanting to break a bat when he goes back to the back rack. I don't like him – watching strike three down the middle of the plate on a 94 one hour fastball. But I like to see that he's frustrated because that shows you he cares. He cares. He doesn't care about the rookie home run record anymore. He doesn't care about any of that. You know what he cares about? That he's definitely not hitting his weight. If he was hitting his weight, I think we'd be okay with it. But he's not driving the ball with any authority. Doesn't seem like pitchers really are fearing Pete Alonzo right now. He's tied up in knots. When he's looking for a breaking ball, he's getting blown away by fastballs. When he's looking for fastballs, he's getting blown away or tied in knots with breaking balls. And he is overly frustrated. And what are you going to do? You just lost Cespedes. Now you're going to take Pete Alonzo out for the next two games, let him get his head on straight. Can you waste two more days? I don't think you can. I don't think you can because he is the kind of bat that is a game changer. If it clicks, he hits the home run, boom. You're looking at someone that can do it with one swing of the bat. And if he gets hot and stays hot, he can carry the load. No, no Cespedes. It's just a bad look. And it's a bad. Ah! <laughs> it's a bad precedent. This freaking team, man. 81 games, 38 games, zero and eight equals 110. Really? 66. I get it. People are ripping me saying, oh, get your numbers right. 66. It's still 66 million flushed down the toilet. Right with the vomit when you mention Aaron Altair. You could vomit that, throw that down there too. All right, this week coming up, Figgy, Monday the Mets will finish up this four-game debacle in Atlanta where they have to get a win. DeGrom has to save them, but he'll only have the bullpen blow it or they won't score enough probably. But you hope they win that, and then they got two against the Nationals, and you expect three against the Marlins at City Field, whoever the Marlins. I mean, you might be pitching for the Marlins this next weekend. I don't know yet. Um, so we'll start warming up, and then uh, you know they'll play the Nationals for another four. So a lot of di- all division opponents coming up. DeGrom's got to save him Monday night, and then you got to beat the Nationals and try to turn this thing around. But I know Luis Rojas has said he hasn't had a you know sit-down meeting with the guys or he talks to them one-on-one, but it's going to hit a point soon where he's going to have to have a team meeting because you don't want this thing to hit rock bottom 20 games I in. guarantee you there's going to be a team meeting about this Cespedes thing, and it has to happen, whether it's on a Zoom call, whether it's in the locker room, at socially distanced lockers, they're going to have to – have a chance to let it all out. And I think, honestly, 
something like this is where a team can rally around it because they know it's more than one man. They haven't had him in the lineup in two years almost. So they've played baseball without Ioannis Cespedes. They've played winning baseball at times without Ioannis Cespedes. It's not time to just, oh, oh, no, look, he opted out. He wasn't the savior for this team. He would have been an X factor, and I said that all along, if he was just able to have quality at bats and provide protection for Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, those guys ahead of him. But you didn't see that. You didn't see that from him. You just did not see the same kind of approach, the guy that can hit the ball line to line and has power to all fields. You didn't see that. I saw him swinging for the fences every single swing. And that was a big concern for me in the beginning. I I, I thought he was going to get hurt just swinging the bat. I said oblique. I said something was going to, you know, he's going to pull something. But here we are. You have to move on. You have to kind of, I say, take those 10 games and you crumble them up. All right. That's it. That's it. We don't get a do-over on those. But now you have to rally around this. And the rally cry might be F. Cespedes. And I wish we could curse on here. And Brody, how about in a COVID era, in a everyone trigger happy 2020, everyone's going to react era not release a statement that we can't find one of our star players. I mean, that that's like in like hooked on phonics. Like you can find that in the books hooked on phonics or PR PR for dummies, Brody Van Wagenen. Do not release a statement that you're missing a play. Go figure out where he is before you scare the entire fan base. I'm sure his family sees that. They're like, oh, my God, is he okay? Because who knows? But guess what? Thank you for 2015 for two months. Thanks for a solid 2016 season. The last four years were a debacle, yo. You were a waste. You sucked. And don't let the door hit you on the way out because that was classless how you left the Mets. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. Figgy, this was a rare Sunday night recording, an emergency podcast. We battled through some uh, technical difficulties and and made it work guest-free and uh, featuring about like eight minutes of me yelling, maybe more than that. You being kind of mad, I, you know, you were a little mad. You didn't, you don't yell really, but you, you told it how it is as well. Listen, as long as you're not walking out on me, I'm cool. We can do this anytime. And, and I think, you know, I, I stress again, you got the best pitcher in baseball going for your team tomorrow. If any time is the time to start getting on the right track, tomorrow will be it. Let's get back on the winning track tomorrow, Mets. And uh, I'm going to take the next couple of days to uh, drink a lot of water, breathe, and uh, maybe drink some tea to fix my voice as well. And that wraps up episode 15 of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake for ranting, raving, and producing the show all at the same time. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you use Apple, please rate us five stars and write a nice review. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We will be back on Thursday on a rare Mets off day as we look back at the two-game set against the Nationals and look ahead to the COVID-filled Marlins weekend that comes ahead. If there's baseball, if I'm alive, and if I don't walk out on Figgy, stay safe, folks. We'll talk to you Thursday.